Wednesday, September 28th. Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. Very good morning to you if you're just tuning in. Uh, by the way, uh, the Dick Fane Association with uh, the Emperor, as he said there at Parramatta, of course, the Emperor Dennis Fitzgerald, just on the text line. Uh, Stacey writes, Dick and the Emperor was forged through the Big Sports Breakfast, Richard Friedman, who found Dick in Seattle to do USA Sports on the show. And Emperor used to come on the show regularly back then also. They were introduced to each other through the show think both both met up at odds when Dick visited a long time ago, but this show's been going a long time. You blokes should brush up on some history. Well, we've just brushed up in the news break, and yeah, so Dick uh, was brought out here quite a few years ago and uh, through the show went and spent some time at Parramatta and with Dennis Fitzgerald, and Dennis then went over to Seattle, and we've brushed up on our history, and they became yeah. mates. So well, there you go. Dick. Well, we've just found out. Yeah. So from the Emperor... To our Tsar and Kaiser and just Monarch, Dean Bulldog Richie. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Grand Final Week. Hey, Bulldog. Clarky. Hey, buddy. Doggy. LD. How are you, brother? I'm good. Yes, I'm good. Excited. Pumped. I haven't been out to Western Sydney, but I'm hearing it's alive. It's buzzing and it's just how we thought it would be. And the Parramatta fans are out in numbers, as are the Panthers fans. Can I ask one question then? Sure. Grand final week and you haven't been out west? <laughs> oh, well, I went to Parramatta, but Kellyville, more out Parramatta, Penrith Way. I haven't been right. to the Panthers just yet. Yeah. <laughs> We're going. No, that's all right. I, yeah. today. I just didn't know. I thought that would be part of the job, being yeah. a sports reporter. Yeah. And <laughs> a grand final. Mate, these it. days. You get out west. <laughs> Skype, FaceTime, Zoom. Well, I know you live on the northern Bull- beaches. Bulldog's right, still in so. COVID, mate. Yeah. He's still, he's still <laughs> in lockdown. He's still got the mask on. Yeah. Take the mask off. <laughs> His car's got COVID. His car's not allowed that side. <laughs> Can't cross the bridge. Uh, what, what sort of car you got? Yeah. It's got COVID, uh, mate. Sell Rav. it and get a new yeah. one. The RAV4. What's going on? Grand final week and you haven't been I've out been to Penrith. Mind you, I've been out there a lot all year, Loz. Uh, <laughs> that'll do, mate. I know exactly what's going on out there. <laughs> that'll do, mate. Uh, You're being bullied. Hey, do yourself a favour. <laughs> get out there. When Penrith. was the last time you were out there? Go via Liverpool. Yeah. Treat yourself and go via Liverpool. Go to the Michael Clark well, Recreation Centre. Do yourself a favour and go and do a bit of cardio on the way. A bit of cross trainer at the well, LC Recreation Centre. When was the last time you three were We're going today, mate. <laughs> we're at Rose Hill today. We're at Rose Hill. Laurie's met across two bridges in 15 years. <laughs> no, he we're in the heart of Parramatta Territory today. Doesn't, it needs a new because he doesn't know how to get there, Loz. Now, listen, dude. Can I, can I give you a pat on the back? Because I, really I, I really enjoyed this story today. It's a sad story of a former Parramatta player, and he played in five grand finals with the club, Paul Taylor. Yeah, thanks. Lost. No, it is a good story in terms of um, him getting his life story out there. Paul yeah. Taylor was a Parramatta great. He played in five straight grand finals, 81, 2, 3, 4, and 6. He won four of those. And uh, Paul's revealed today, and I'll let people go and buy the paper and, and, and read the story online, but just a, a rough appraisal of how his finances and private life spiralled and he moved to Queensland to be close to his son, Jamie, and his life unravelled and he became homeless. Mm. He became homeless. How's he going now? Because you, you don't like to see anyone fall on hard times. And I, I didn't know the story myself until I, I read it when I got in here early this morning and... Yeah, you just feel helpless that you weren't able to you know, know 
what was happening with his life, and I'm sure a lot of Parramatta people that played with him um, didn't know the story. There's some that probably did know the story, but it seems as like seems like now he's he's up and about and got himself back going again. Yeah, he at one point, Laurie, he was living in Parks, the Botanical Gardens up there in Brisbane. Spent a night or two under the Story Bridge. Uh, he went, and I won't give the whole story away, as I said, mm. but just briefly, he went to the Dole office one day to get some money because someone had lined up a job interview in Ayers Rock for him, and he was homeless at the time. Uh, he was stealing tea bags and buying McDonald's $1 hash browns. That's all he could mm. afford. He had $4. Jeez. And the bloke at the Dole office said, um, no, you don't get any more money for another two to three weeks. You've had your money. And he, he implored the bloke, please, can you help me because I've got a job interview. And to the eternal credit of that bloke, he relented, gave him his money. He flew to Ayers Rock, got a couple of jobs out there at a resort, moved to another resort, back on his feet. He's now back on the Gold Coast. That was a few years ago, mind you. Back on the Gold Coast. He's got two jobs now, a landscaping business, lives on Main Beach. So it's a lovely end to a very sad era in Paul Taylor's life. And as you know, Loz, you, know, you and I grew up in that era. Mm. He was a tough little bugger to the point where Jack Gibson loved him so much he named his German shepherd Taylor. And that's a pretty big rap for Gibbo, mm. who's arguably the greatest coach of all time. Well, they time. used to put him in the front line to do a lot of defending, didn't they? And, and swap he and Sterlow around. And Sterlow would go back and, and play fullback. And he was just one of those really hard-working players that got through a, a mountain of defence and he was the type of player that Jack Gibson would have loved you know just someone that just got in and you know didn't overstate himself but just got in and did all the hard work you forget how good that Parramatta side was Laurie I was looking through trying to get a couple of interviews during the week oh what a wonderful side. wow you know Sterling Kenny Ella Cronin Growth Price you know Peter Wynn all mm. those legends in that era it's remarkable to think that from that era, 1986, when Paul Taylor yeah. played that last game for Parramatta in the grand final, they haven't won one since. But you can see how they had all that success too, can't you? When you start reading out those names, you just go, they're, they're greats of the game. Yeah. They're not good players of the games. They're greats and they could hold themselves in any era. And in any, you know, when you're talking about the best players ever to have played the game, that's who you're talking well, about. Blokes in, those, in that team that would be always in the conversation. Well, Price would be one of the greats. Oh, Sterling, Sterling, Kenny, Kenny Cronin, Cronin, Growth, and probably Steve Eller. Yeah. So there's, what, six already. Unbelievable. Too. A bit like, uh, and I'm not rapping you, a bit like that Raiders side. Mm-hmm. Mal, Laurie, uh, Bradley Clyde. Clyde, Ricky Stewart, Steve Walters, Glenn Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the nucleus of an all-time great side. And Belcher. And they were. Uh, Gary Belcher. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. There's too much love in this room. Yeah, can yeah, you, no, can no, you no, just, okay. can just stop it? <laughs> um, ugly, Laurie. We've been, <laughs> Bulldog, we've been talking a lot about the distractions Para have had, even around, you know, announcing their their 17 yesterday. But what about this trainer drama with the Panthers? Will this affect uh, players? Does this affect Ivan Cleary? Is this laughable from their side, or is it a little distraction? Uh it's a significant story, Clarky. I don't know whether the players will invest in the story, though. I think it'll probably go mm. straight past them. They're pretty good players these days in you know, keeping their group tight and away from all that outside external noise. 
Uh, it's a really interesting story because both sides have had their say and there's conflicting reports. But c- clearly in my eyes, something happened on that field. Yeah. Something was said to Jed Cartwright, who, from what I'm told, is a very uh, good young kid, well-mannered and quite uh, understated. For him to be that angry to front the Penrith trainer and physio called Pete Green, something obviously happened. Cody had had some previous issues with the same trainer. That's the vision we saw yep. on the television that night that Cody also got involved. Penrith are saying they've got the audio and nothing was said, but the audio hasn't been released by the Panthers for whatever reason. They're probably trying to keep things quiet out there because it's grand final week. Mm. John Cartwright, I spoke to the other day and wrote a story about it, and I thought Cardi made a good point. I don't know what was said on the field in that moment, Clarky, but I think it's totally out of line for any trainer to go out there and start yapping to an opponent. Yeah, they, they can't but, be tackled, Clark. But this guy's not the first guy. He's not the first trainer to have said so. Don't tell. And again, I, I have to be careful what I say here. But don't tell me or correct me if I'm wrong. If Alfie Langer is not throwing barbs at the opposition team when he's on the field. No, oh, look, I'm not saying they're not doing it. I'm just saying it's not right. Yeah, I, no, I agree with that. I, ca- unless something, in my opinion, unless something has been said very personal then this should be one of those things where, yeah, you go, mate, trainer, relax, mate. You're running Gatorade. You're not kicking the footy. You're not passing the footy. Same as, you know, I said to the boys the other day, I think it was Matthew Hayden who gave me a, in the Mercantile Mutual as a youngster, he was 12th man. He was resting for a, for Queensland. I got out. He walked the drinks on and gave me a massive serve. Like, it, because it's Matthew Hayden, you don't say anything. But if that's a, a youngster who's 12th man, you're going, zip it, mate. You're not batting or bowling. You know, you're running Gatorade. So, of course, the trainers shouldn't do it, but it's, he's not the first trainer to have done this, yeah, as no, long as it's first. not personal. I think the point John Cartwright made was right, though, that if a player sledges another player, you put it in the memory bank for the next set of six. Fair play. And yeah. you go, whack. Agree. There's your receipt. Fair play. But with a trainer, he knows full well he can't be touched. So John Cartwright's exact words were, it's the height of being a coward. Yeah. Quite strong. Quote from Cardi, but I get where he's coming from. That bloke can say what he likes and know he can't get sprung, he can't get whacked in the next Mm. set of six. So, look, their job is to go out there and assist with the medical uh, needs of their team. So shut up, do your job, and I just think it's wrong that they start sledging opposition players. Mm. Uh, Grand final teams, there's often a heartbreak story and it comes for Bryce Cartwright. So Nathan Brown into the seventeen. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, I would have thought, Loz, that Brad would have kept the same 17. I'd not, I get where he's coming from. He's an old an old mm. mongrel, excuse the term, Nathan Brown. And I, I love Nathan Brown. I love that old style of play and a gnarly old forward. Played Origin in 2020. I'd imagine, Laurie, that his job would be to put a lot of pressure on Nathan Cleary. I'd imagine that would be one key reason why. He'd be in the side. Agreed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think kick, they have kick to. Kick pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to. Um, but again, I, I think it's an inspired choice. I, th- I think that a lot of people were calling for Nathan Brown to be in the squad week one of the finals. Um, but he'd had six weeks off, I think, with a broken hand. So he's had to wait, bide his time. And I, I, th- I think he adds plenty of aggression. I think he adds plenty of X factor. Yes, he can give away a penalty. He can be ill-disciplined. But you know what you're going to get from him in terms of carry the ball strongly. He's got a nice pass and an offload. 
He'll bring energy to the team. He'll harass Cleary. And I think a big part of their game has to be that kick pressure. And it's got to be just as important as when teams talk about high completions. That's just got to be something that's non-negotiable in this game. You've just got to harass the hell out of Cleary all game. Why do you, Laurie, as a former coach and an origin coach, why now? That just intrigues me, and I don't know the answer. Why do you think Brad Arthur brought him back now? He's had 12 weeks to bring him back, and he hasn't. He's resisted, resisted. What would be in Brad Arthur's mind to make that big call now? Oh, just the style of footy. Yeah. Um, And I said yesterday, they've got three middles on their bench. And in that first semi-final, I didn't think their forwards did enough in terms of dominating tackle four and five and then being able to put kick pressure on Cleary. I think they front-loaded their energy for their attack, but they didn't actually go after Cleary when he had the ball. I think they conserved their energy. So if you've got three, you can limit their minutes somewhat, not by a big margin, but you can you know, not play them as long. And the three forwards that come on are all middles. Their responsibility is to keep the energy, keep the tempo, and keep getting it clear. Keep getting out there and putting pressure on him. So I think it's going to be a big part of their game, kick pressure. And I think by having that extra middle on your bench with your rotation, you can afford to not play. If you know, you know, th- th- They might be able to get away with it because they might dominate possession. So if Parramatta are dominating possession, they mightn't have to use those three guys on the bench for long minutes. But if they're tired and they're putting effort on effort on effort into their game when they're defending, including tackle four and five at the ruck and then with kick pressure, they're probably going to have to rotate them a bit more than what they're used to. Because if you just save your energy for attack, those big men, Cleary will just kick them to death. He'll put it in a corner and then their back five are under plenty of pressure bringing it off their try line all night. That's a long answer. It's my segment, Laurie, not yours. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't mind. You can go right into it. (laughs) (laughs) The sledging got a bit more aggressive during the ad He gets nasty, doesn't he, Laurie? I love it how they get on on air and abuse each other off. If if you chip him, he just gets really nasty. Uh, Who wins the game? It'd be like the game of just gentle tennis. Whack across the net. I won. (laughs) Not real competitive, is he? Yeah, no, no. Settle down. Who wins the grand final? <laughs> Why? Give us a score. Give us a Churchill medalist. Give us the whole lot. I want to see a great game like we all do. I just get the feeling, and I hope I'm wrong, that Penrith will be too good for them. Um, a little part of me would love to see Parra win. That's nothing against Penrith, but just to break the drought. 36 years, famous club. But I think Penrith might be t- too good. Um, I think if they get away early, they'll be hard to pull back. Churchill medal... I mean, how could you go past Cleary? But if you want a bit of value, maybe Coruscant, Fisher-Harris. There's a few, obviously, contenders there. Um, the halves would be a huge battle. Laws, you've got you know, Parramatta are at their best when Mitch Moses is running. Cleary just keeps asking questions. Uh, his kicking game will be spot on. be interesting to see whether he goes to Wonga Blake again mm. uh, and just terrorises him because Nathan can be cruel, but he wants to be. So I, I hope it's a great game. I'm sure it will be. The atmosphere will be great. It sold out in minutes yesterday. Uh, but I just think, you're asking my opinion, I think Penrith will win and, and 
win by 10 to 12 points. You disagree, Loss? Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I think it's going to be tight. I, I think it'll be a good game. I, I, look, on form, you go with Penrith every day of the week, but I just think something might be brewing with Parramatta. I, I think they could cause an upset. They seem to be at the peak of their powers, Parramatta, don't they, right now? Right now, they're in the best position mm. they can be. Even all their players, you'd think, are in good form. There's no one they're sort of carrying who we feel is out of form. Yeah, I, I think they're going to get beaten. They might have got beaten last week. That's why I'm thinking that they might save their best for last because I don't think they were anywhere near their best last weekend. I think they had distractions going into that game. Mitch Moses wasn't great. They just hung on. They defended really well in the last 10 minutes in a hostile environment up there. And, yeah, I, I can see an upset coming. Who wins the Dally M tonight? Uh, good question. I think it would come down to two, unless there's a, a late bolter. Ben Hunt was polling very well. Nico Hines was polling very well. There may well be a late swooper. I think it'll be a really tight count tonight. It'll be one of the great nights and one of the great Dally M's. But, look, if I had five bucks, Mido, I, I'd put her on Ben Hunt. Do you not have five? No. I'll lend you five. I'm a poor Paklucky. I'll lend you five as long as you give me ten if you win. Mm. You're not allowed to bet, are you? Not on the Dally M anymore. Everything else you can. Lunch today, boys. <laughs> You'll be there. Uh, yeah, we're Rose Hill. No, no, I can't come on. Well, you don't go west. He's, he's going, going out. He's going out to Penrith. <clears throat> he's going out to Penrith. Any drinkies or not? No, I've got to work tonight. Okay. Mm. Oh, another gig. Been doing it all year, Bulldog. Chiching, chiching. I got worst. Daddy Daycare. Okay. Mm. Are you going to the so, yeah, I'll be United blind. Kingdom for the World <laughs> Cup? No, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not sure what we're doing there. I think I'm going to go, you know. For the World Cup? Yep. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Loz. And oh, the two weeks. If you're allowed a sledge as the runner, or whatever mm. you call drinks runner, or I'm looking for a gig of that. That's the perfect role for me. No one can touch you. You can say whatever you want. Just <laughs> yeah, got to throw a couple of bottles of Gatorade to the boys. <laughs> I mean, Run the drinks. Hey. Uh, and if in doubt... Head knock. <laughs> Come on, Doc. Stop the play. Stop the play. Get him off. Move him on. Yeah. Would he be coming straight back after the final or would he be hanging around for a little sojourn around Europe? He's going via Paris. Europe. <laughs> I've left a trail for him in I'd Paris. I imagine the fact you're not saying much right now indicates you are staying. <laughs> Bulldog, <clears throat> let me tell you this. Okay, I'm all ears. My commitment is to this show. <laughs> Right, okay. And you can do it from anywhere in the world. <laughs> always has and always will. All right. Uh, Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. The Opals, good win against Japan last night. Pulled away in the second half, 71-54. Serbia did us a favour. David, France, 68-62. So that means the Opals finished first in their group. That means they can avoid the USA until the gold medal match, provided we win the next two matches, of course. We are to play Belgium in a quarter-final tomorrow night here in Sydney. If they win that, the Opals will play the winner of France v China in a semi-final. Uh, we've got Semi-Joe Johnson coming up shortly to talk some cricket. Just to want to recap those markets for the grand final with Tab as it stands as well. No real movement in the last well, two days now. So Penrith are $1.38, Parramatta are $3.10. 8.5 is the line. And uh, the money is running 2-1 to one to Penrith. At this stage, in the Clive Churchill medal market, Nathan Cleary is a $2.75 favourite. $2.75. Gosh, that's short. Dylan Edwards is best back, though, at $8. Isaiah Yo's a $9 chance. Mitch Moses at 10 Then you've got Coruscant and Gutherson, both at $13. 15 and longer, the rest. 
Um, the NRLW Grand Final, by the way, as well. And uh, the market for that one has Newcastle a dollar forty-two and Parramatta a two dollars ninety. We're going to speak to Dean Witters, the Parramatta coach, after eight o'clock this morning. The line six and a half. Power of the plus eighty percent of the money for the outsider, the Eels, so far, who've really turned their form around in the last couple of weeks. But uh, time to talk some cricket and uh, the women's NCL started last Friday. New South Wales, unfortunately, have suffered two defeats to Queensland. They'll play WA this Friday in their next match. And joining us is all-rounder for the New South Wales Breakers and the Sydney Thunder and the WBBL, Sammy Joe Johnson. Sammy Joe, good morning. Morning. How are we today? Yeah, really well, thanks. Great to have you on the show again. And, gee, the Queensland batters, they've started on fire. I mean, what made them tough to slow down in those first two matches? Yeah, definitely a tough pill to swallow. Uh, getting yeah beaten by Queensland in those first two matches, they're a classy outlet. Um, so it's just a matter of us trying to find a way to turn around our bowling performance and probably our batting performances as well before we take on WA on Friday and Sunday this week. Yourself, two for 71 off for 10 in the first match. You had two for 25 off six overs in the second, 25 with the bat on Sunday also. How's the form feeling in early on in the season? Yeah, I had a really good preseason, so the body's feeling really good, feeling really confident in my ability. Obviously, yeah, like I said, we just need to put a whole team performance on the board and play 100 overs of cricket rather than just little snippets, that's all. Yeah, Sammy, where do the Thunder sit this season? Is there high expectations? And I guess from your perspective, I know you, you want to make the final, but who's the team to pick uh, to beat, you reckon? Yeah, obviously, going from WBBO 6 as champions to then not making the finals last year was pretty tough. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest uh, key in for us is having our captain, Ray Chains, back. Mm. Um, obviously, I know she's just retired from international and domestic one-day cricket, but to have her back behind uh, with the C next to her name, I think that's going to be the big turning point for us this year. Um, looking across all of the squads, like there's some really tough teams out there. Obviously, you can't go past the Scorchers. They won it last year. And obviously, our Crosstown rivals, the Sixers, are looking pretty strong as well. Just on Rachel Haynes, how surprised were you to see her retire? retire from international cricket and the WNCL as well? Yeah, it's a tough one. Like I, we probably didn't expect it, but obviously Rach knew in her heart it was the right time to do it. Obviously, we're going to back our mate if she feels it's the right time to hang up the boots and it's the right time to hang them up. Um, I think we're just stoked that we get her for one more one more year in the Big Bash. Obviously, she was pivotal for us in the year that we won. Just her captaincy, um, the way she chips in with the bat, and she's an outstanding fielder. So I'm stoked that she's running around one more time with us. Yeah, Rachel Haynes, you know, retiring at least from, from the top level and Meg Lenning taking a break as well. Is it fair to say, Semi Joe, probably COVID, et cetera, has really taken a toll potentially on our, on our stars in the last couple of years? Yeah, I think right from the top right through to even domestic cricket. Like we've been in bubbles and hubs and all these sorts of things, and it certainly has taken its toll. Like I spent six months last year away from home and didn't see family or friends during that time just to try and play cricket all around the world. So um, I think it has, but hopefully um, with a little bit of downtime and the right support from not only Cricket Australia but each individual state that they're from, I think you know we've got programs in place so to look after those players and hopefully we see you know, meet back out on the park um, as soon as possible because she's a superstar of our game. Yeah, is she ever. Sammy, tell us a little bit about Blacktown, just the pitch out there. Does that suit the Thunder? And I guess what a lot of people, a lot of our listeners probably don't realise is how different your team can be or the the changes you've got to make when you're playing conditions like Blacktown versus if you went to WA, for example, and played over there. 
Yeah, 100%. If we're playing in WA, we're probably going to stack our side with a whole heap of pace bowlers because it's quick and bouncy and, and nips around a little bit over there. Whereas Blacktown, obviously, it tends to be a little bit lower and a little bit slower. So especially early in the season as well. Like, obviously, they play a lot of AFL out there. So I'm curious to see what the wickets are like. And we've got three games straight up out of yeah. Blacktown. So I dare say a spin-heavy attack. And for me, as a as a fast bowler, I think those changes of pace are certainly going to be very key. And I don't mind trying to bowl slow and slower anyway because it makes it harder for them to hit, doesn't it? It certainly does. What about in regards to, you know, on a, on a pitch and a ground like that, winning the toss, how important is that? And are the Thunder the type of team that like to set a total or prefer to chase? I think in, in the past we've sort of... Um, done a little bit of both. I know that Rach and, and our batters obviously like to set a good total and then we've got a great bowling group that I think yeah. can defend sort of any total. Um, we've got a really good balance of some great spinners uh, and, and good pace bowlers. So I, I think it won't really matter what we're thrown in, whether we have to bat or bowl. I think we're a versatile unit to do both. Unreal. We're speaking with Semi Joe Johnson from the New South Wales Breakers in the Sydney Thunder. And Semi Joe, got to get your take on the man cat by India. <laughs> you will not. You will not let this go. I will can't you? stand it. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, well, as a player, though, your thoughts on? Hey, what could Semi say? She's going to get herself in trouble if she's too honest, <laughs> or she's going to sit on the fence? <laughs> nah, I, I, look, everyone's got their opinions on it, and it's been quite an interesting little battle with some some players on Twitter, and yeah. you know, obviously everyone around the world. I think we go back to the good old spirit of cricket. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, A little bit disappointing, but it's in the rules. So I think, um, yeah, I I don't really like it. (laughs) So, Semi, then, if I can... Because, again, like, unfortunately... Well, I say unfortunately. I wish wish there wasn't a rule that you could get out, be dismissed like that. I don't like it. That's my personal opinion. If you're captain of the Thunder and this happens under your watch, would you claim the wicket or would you say, you know what, we're not going to take that, even though it is in the spirit, it is in the rules? Oh, like, I think, like, if I talk about our group, I don't think anyone on our team would do that. Yeah. So it's mm. sort of like we're brought up in the spirit of cricket to not play like that. Um, yeah, so I know that we wouldn't encourage it, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you've got this game first. So the uh, WBBL, by the way, your first game, I believe, is against the Hurricanes Friday, October 14 at Blacktown. Uh, yep. But uh, you've got WA firstly in the WNCL. That game is uh, on Friday, isn't it? Uh, the importance of this match, though, considering, I guess, your defeat in the first two games, Semi Joe. Yeah, I suppose one thing that's changed for us is obviously we've got an extended competition in the WNCL now. So we've got some extra games. We've got a full home and away series, which we haven't had for a very, very long time. So in the past, if you'd lost a couple of games early, you're probably on the back foot. Not that we want to lose two games up front and certainly not in the fashion that we did. I think it just means that we've got a quick turnaround now. You can kind of park that and hopefully with the training sessions that we've had this week and regroup and reset, um, go out there and put on the performance that we deserve to show, not only to ourselves, but obviously friends and family that come out and watch. Well, hopefully it's a great summer with no bubbles, touch wood, uh, good crowds and enjoy, Sammy Joe. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, the things we ponder in the break mm. is uh, Donald Trump had a recent spray tan. I reckon, what, no, what, what, I reckon he goes as solarium because he's got the, the goggles. he's got the white around where you know the goggles they put on you. He's really white there. No, I don't know them. Tell us all about them. Yeah, those little goggles they put on. I reckon he, I reckon he must go the solarium, the Trumpster. Yeah, because it's white. He's, he's white, white there, around but his he's eyes quite and everywhere else it's he? red or orange. I should say he's going to have another crack. The Trumpster. He's going round. Yeah, too. I think he's back. <laughs> I think he's back. <laughs> I reckon he's going. Yeah, he's going again. Well, he's either going to do that. Have or you go missed to jail. him? Have you missed him? 
Yeah, I have. Actually. I think I have as well. Yeah. Just the chaos that we got every single day out of the state. Mm. I've, I've missed it. I love his little dance moves, those little <laughs> Just pushing the arms out oh. nice and slow. Return of the Trump, I reckon. Jeez. Oh, there he um, is. By the way, the man cad. Gee, it, oh, this divides like nothing else this well, issue, I don't. It? I don't think it does divide. I actually reckon 99% of cricket fans hate it. But we also understand oh. it's a rule. Mm. So I reckon everyone would, everybody would like to see take that rule out of the game, so then it can't mm. happen. That's what I I think everyone's respect or a lot of people are respecting it because it's in the rules. So, but as batsmen or batters yeah. taken advantage of it, obviously over the years because they know they can't get given out, even well, though no, well, not can't get given I, out. No one's really going to do it. Nev- I've never seen. I'm sure it's happened, but I, I, when I was playing, I never saw someone take or get that much of an advantage when they were backing up right. that I went to the umpire to say, mate, I'm, I'm warning the batter to stay in his crease or we're right. going to man-cat. Like, I, I, I never had that conversation no. in, in my career did anyone it, ever, at any level. Did anyone ever frustrate you, though? Like what? a batsman frustrate you because you're sitting there thinking... The way they were backing up? Yeah. Never. Never? Mate, that's also I never... Yep. In indoor cricket... It happened all the time. And like I said the other day, there's punch-ups all the time. But I think the predicament right now is because there's a, there's a gap between the rule and the spirit of the game. They conflict. So very simple, take it out of the game. But if they take it out of the game, then you'll see people I don't, mate, I don't, further I don't out of think so because oh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to... warn th- them. Yeah. You warn them. Even that. Cool. Okay, warn, give someone a warning and then do it. But in a, imagine a World Cup final. Well, you've warned a batter. I think you have to warn them. No, you don't have you to. Don't have now to. You no, don't I know, have but you, I, think, I think that yeah. would be good to warn them exactly. and say, listen, yeah. you know what? This is your first this chance. This is your first chance. Yeah. If you do this again, that. I could cop that too. Yeah. There you go. There's your rule. Perfect. Get us on the ICC. What does mm. that take, Clark? Don't ask me. All right. The Racing League is off to a fly. Get us on the Racing League. It's off to a fly. 14 wins from 12 runners to the track across the three eastern states. An extraordinary strike rate. Now you can join the fun. TRL is giving you the chance to win four VIP tickets to the Moet and Chandon Garden for Tab Epsom Day at Royal Randwick this Saturday. Plus $500 cash. Plus there's two NRL grand final tickets up for grabs as well. So don't miss out as entries close this Thursday. That is tomorrow, 5 p.m. And entry is free. Just go to trl.net forward slash Epsom. That's trl.net forward slash Epsom. AFSL license two two three six seven one. Brad Davidson, good morning to you. Morning, guys. I uh, I agree completely with what you say with the uh, the man care there, Clarky. Yeah, I think you need to give a warning. I do remember those some club games back in the day when they when uh, other teams might have needed two or three runs to, to win, and uh, often when the when the batsman hit the ball, the the, uh, the non-striker was right next to him at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got two more horses in the Tab Everest, Davo. Uh, Jack and O and Joyful Fortune. Now, this has come out of nowhere to run in Aquas's slot. Yeah, a bit of a shock, guys. And uh, I'm interested to follow the journey to see what they do if this horse doesn't quite shape up. But there's a real live possibility of that because... I mean, it won at Benchmark 70 at Flemington by four lengths on a heavy track at its Australian debut. But, gee, that's a that's an absolute mile away from Tab Everest conversations and um, clearly a very talented horse. But, gee, it looks all a bit too soon, doesn't it? Um, could be wrong. Who who knows? I mean, racing's a, a funny game. And 
Um, but it'd be it'd be funny, or not funny, it'd be interesting to see what happens if the horse does get rolled at its next start in sort of benchmark grade or listed grade and what they actually do. Do they push on to a Tab Everest or, or do they reassess and, and find another horse? Because, it, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a massive, massive jump. The horse would still probably have to find three or four lengths, you'd imagine, off that debut win to, to, to be in the finish of an Everest. And not, I think it's um, probably... Probably a bridge too far, but um, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. But as you said, Jack and I, the other one there to link up with Coolmore, that was a, a logical decision. I, I think he's shaping as you know, one of three or four chances in the race at this stage. Um, we know Nature Strip's terribly hard to beat. I love the way Lost and Running's going, and he'd have to be there as, as one of the, the main picks because we see how well these three-year-olds have gone in the past. And yes, 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 didn't even win a Golden Rose, albeit in a very strong Golden Rose, come out and won the, the Tab Everest. So... Uh, I think he's got a great chance if they can freshen him up and, and keep him sharp for the 1,200. So he was a, a logical pick for sure. The final fields are out for Epsom and the Metro on the weekend? Yep, they are, they are. And um, look, a bit of a surprise to only see the 12 runners there in the Epsom. Normally a, a big, big field there. So um, the numbers are a little bit light on this year. But um, I think the two that are going to be well back, they're hinged and nice part there at the top of the market, particularly if we do get this rain as the... Uh, as the forecast is suggesting sort of throughout the week. I know we've had a few storms around already. Um, gee, there was a lightning show up here on the Central Coast last night, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, if we do get that rain, and it's it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, the, the way this rain falls in certain pockets of Sydney. I think, you know, looking at the track conditions there at, uh, at Randwick yesterday, it was about a seven, and at the same time, Rose Hill was a good three. So that was just the case that Randwick got a lot more rain than, than Rose Hill, and... Um, it looks like we're going to get uh, drenched heading into the weekend. So expecting a heavy track. We know Ice Bath loves that with James McDonald aboard, and we know Hinge do looks to have beat the handicapper to some degree. Also loves those wet tracks. So they look the two for me in the Epsom. And um, you know, bad news there with with Benno uh, not being able to to race uh, in the, in the Metrop due to a, a complication there of uh, a treatment and whatnot. So um, a, a shame not to have him in the race because he would have been um, very well backed and very well supported by a number of punters who would have also backed you in futures markets. So, um, but still a decent field for the Metrop. So looking forward to getting a piece stuck into that form uh, today and tomorrow. Spanish mission out of the Melbourne Cup, Davo? Yes, Clarkie. Tendon injury there. So Ouch. unfortunate news for Spanish mission. Um, he was heading towards the, the Melbourne Cup. So you could take him out of the markets with that uh, with that injury, unfortunately. So not good news. And um, no doubt would have been... Uh, a chance to some degree, at least in the cup this year. So, um, yeah, unfortunate news for connections there. You got anything for us today, Davo? Yeah, got a couple. Uh, race one number ten, uh, Alessandra there at Rose Hill. That's my roughie of the day at Rose Hill at around eleven dollars. Um, look, found the eleven hundred too short there at at Hawkesbury first up, but she actually uh, ran at fourteen hundred at Rose Hill last preparation and really savaged the line behind the likes of Kabu and Osafenko in, in what was a really strong race. Um, I think if she can reproduce that performance today, she's going to run really well at double-figure odds in what's shaping as an open race. Kazalak has been well-supported and has been tipped up by a lot of uh, trial pervs there today as the, potentially Chris Waller's carbine club horse um, in Melbourne during the spring. So we'll see what he can produce first up. But um, I was with Alessandra there. And at Cranbourne today, um, I was with the race seven, number three, Obstification who I think um, it was terrific first up over 1,000, stepping up to 1,300 is going to suit and should be very strong, also promising horse. So they were the two for me today. Good luck at the uh, big sports. Recky lunch should be a cracking day out there at Rose Hill and um, 
hope, uh, hope the, the listeners find plenty of winners. Yeah, we hope so. So just to recapping those tips, Rose Hill, race one, number 10, Alessandra. That's $11 to win, $3 to place. And Cranbourne, race seven, number three, obfuscation, $2.20. That was the one, wasn't it? Obfuscation? Yep, that's it. Perfect. That's those two. Beautiful. Okay, great stuff, Dave. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Cheers.